Our pericope of scripture for this evening is Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Our text will be the first seven verses, which I will not be rereading. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain... For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that, knowing the time... That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and not in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So far the reading of God's holy inspired word. May he bless that reading and the preaching of his word. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, I take this holiday season where we celebrate the birthday, the independence of our nation as an occasion 
to go to God's word to ask this question, what is our obligation to the government? For as believers, we hold, don't we, a dual citizenship. First and primarily, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, not by our natural birth, but from our birth from above. And because of that citizenship, we are pilgrims and strangers here on the earth. We look for that city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. And yet secondly, we are also born into a citizenship in the land of our earthly sojourn, aren't we? And those two are not on the same level. They may and they often do conflict. And when they do We have to seek first the kingdom of God. Our place below in whatsoever country God has placed us must be in total subsistence, subservience to our heavenly citizenship. So dual citizenship. Heavenly citizens in earthly kingdoms. Notice with me the phrase that This passage begins with the powers that be. Second of all, our calling to be subject to them. And thirdly, specific obligations laid out. The powers that be. They are the authorities. This was needed The Apostle Paul has to write to the church on this issue because the Jews were averse to any kind of foreign rule over them. And the Gentiles also were resistant to the powers of the world. Was not Christ their Lord? So there were those who thought that the higher powers are all of the evil one. And often, yes, the powers that be were evil, even using the sword against members of the church. But notice what God's word says here. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. And when we read the word power there, perhaps you're thinking about strength, power, force. And yes, some try to get, have advantage by that kind of brute force. Others try to get ahead by their influence or their money that gives them a lot of power. I think the governor of Illinois, I just heard, has spent some $129 million of his own on his campaign. He wants that power. Others will use their intelligence to try to rule over others. But the word that is used here, powers in our text, is really translated authorities. Authorities. Now there are various authorities, aren't there? 
And the word authority means one has the right to impose rules upon others underneath them. And it means that they have to obey them. They have the right to tell us what to do. And we have to obey. And the idea is that some are placed over us while others are not. And there's many such powers then, aren't there? That is authorities. Husbands in the home have authority over their wife. Parents in the home have authority over the children. Employers in the workplace have authority over the employees, and that's why we may not strike or rebel. In school, boys and girls, the teachers have authority over you. You have to obey them. In the church, the elders and the deacons have authority over God's people, the sheep and the lambs. And now we're dealing with the state. And that the Apostle Paul has the state in mind here when he says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers is very obvious. For when we read in verse 4, he says, for he does not bear the sword in vain. There's only one higher power that is given the sword by God, and that's the government. Or again in verse 6, pay tribute, for they are God's ministers. It is the government that has that authority that can demand you are going to pay so many of your taxes to enable that government to carry out its programs. There are these higher powers, whether it be on the national level, whether it be in the state, whether it be on the local level. And now we read, there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. You see, all authority here on earth is derived authority. Verse 1, there is no power but of God. And all that authority God gave to his son, Christ Jesus, when he finished his work here on earth as an obedient servant, he ascended into heaven, he was seated on a throne, and his enemies were made his footstool, and he rules the whole world in his power while he rules his church in his grace. And we read that the hearts of the kings of the earth are in his hand, and he turns them whithersoever he will. So human civil government is ordained of God. They are called his ministers, or a better word would be his servants. Whether it be the rulers of corrupt totalitarian reigns or our democratic government where they're voted in by the people. Verse 4, they are ministers, servants of God. So it makes no difference how they got there. Once they are there, they are by God. Government is good. And therefore we read, whosoever resists the government authorities resists God, 
God's ordinance, God himself. That speaks really volumes, doesn't it, regarding the beginning of our country. While we celebrate the birth of the country, its independence, you and I know that that independence came by a sinful way, didn't it? Our forefathers over in this country didn't want to pay some taxes, and they rebelled. But God even uses sin and sinners to bring about his will, and so we do have our nation, and we do have the freedoms that we are enjoying today. And let me say also that authority of the civil government is limited. That is, it is limited to the sphere over which God has placed those government authorities. They may not intrude into our homes, as is done in China, where in the homes they're told they may only have one child, and I guess now it's made two because they don't have enough girls. That government may not intrude into the church and tell us that we may worship or what we have to preach. Civil government is ministers of God in the civil area in our society. And that government is good. Why? Why is there this civil government? That's a fundamental question. There are those who say, well, there is that kind of authority Created because of sin. That's not true. Government did not become because of sin. There's rulers in the angel world. And there will be rule in the new creation. Our text says, It is not a terror to good works, but to evil. Created by God. God executes his wrath through those governments upon evildoers. That's why it has the power sword. That's why we have capital punishment in a lot of states. That is why the government may go to war and call citizens to fight for the country to protect their freedoms or their territory. That there may be rule, that there may be good order in society. Are you thankful for your government? Do you pray for your leaders in government as you're commanded to? Do you care? Do you hold it before God's throne? Do you thank God for the freedoms that he has given to you on this weekend as you celebrate our independence. So there are powers to be authority from God himself. He delegates his authority to Christ who delegates it to men and to women in our civil governments so that there is order in society. So what is our calling? And the answer is, be subject, isn't it? Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is 
no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. That means, first of all, negatively, that if we are to be subject, we may not resist. I want to emphasize that a moment because you have to realize that much of the world is shaped, at least of the Western world, by the French Revolution. The principle there was that the authority for all things is vested in the people. And there was that great revolution, wasn't there, when they revolted against the government in France. And so the idea has followed from there that people confer authority to some leaders. People are sovereign. It's the principle that the authority comes from man himself. So even in our Constitution, what do we read? That the power is of the people, for the people, and by the people. That is false. God's word says no. All authority is of me. Man is not the source of authority in himself. Contrary to scripture. God. God rules. Christ rules. And Christ delegates in the home, the school, in the workplace, but now especially in the nation, a government. Why is that necessary to state? Well, you will remember that Guido de Bray writes the Belgic Confession. He writes it at a time to try to prove to the king that citizens, that Christians, are, make the best citizens of the nation. They are not a terror to the authorities. And that, of course, was against the Anabaptist movement. The Anabaptist Position still today is non-involvement in political process. It's really a kind of political asceticism. Total inactivity in politics. It's dirty stuff. It's fatalism. What will be, will be. Or worse, the Anabaptists were rebellious. They rebelled against the civil government trying to build up their own kingdom. And so let's look at our own history. Founded in rebellion, wasn't it? And what is it about maybe four to eight years ago, we heard a lot about the Tea Party, didn't we? What's the Tea Party? I don't even know if it still is in existence today. But why did it take its name? Rebellion. If we don't like what the government's going to do, we're going to take it in our own hands and we're going to turn it around. Look at what happened only about a year and a half ago on a January 6th. Watching the television at that time, you would almost think that we were in one of the third world countries with citizens all going into the government building trying to take over. Rebellion. Let us hear God's word as Christians. Because if you have any sympathy that took place there, 
Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Not resist. Not rebel. So positively. Submit. That is the only proper attitude that we as Christians may have toward the government. Not only good governments that we agree with, not only if our party is in office, but even if you have bad leaders, sinful men and women, ungodly. Think a moment. Boys and girls, When did the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit, write these words? Was the government wonderful? And the answer is no. Paul is in prison. The Apostle Paul is going to be put to death for his faith. The church was persecuted. Later on, martyrs for the faith, tied up to poles and burned as torches. Always be subject. Even though you might be forced to disobey, if the government tries to tell us to do something as churches or comes into our homes and says we have to abort our babies, we may not obey. But even in disobedience, submitting ourselves. As you remember, John and Peter. That was the religious leaders at that time. They also were corrupt men, the Sanhedrin. No more preaching in Jesus' name, they said. And John and Peter say, you judge. Should we obey God or man? But always submitting. Bearing the stripes on their backs, put into prison, or even put to death. Be subject to the higher powers even if we we have to suffer for righteousness' sake. And what is the reward? Gaidu de Bray, writing this Belgic confession, addressing the king, heavenly citizens are good earthly citizens. They're not a threat to earthly kingdoms. They're not troublemakers. And there is a reward in the text. We read, you will have praise of them. Now, what does that mean? Is the earthly government always going to praise Christians? Well, it surely wasn't that in Paul's day. It is this. When we are obedient to the government, as we are called to be, in our conscience, In our conscience, we know that that government should thank us for being good citizens. And in their own consciences, they ought to know that they should be praising us. But more than that, 
We do it for Christ's sake. And when Christ comes again, he will praise you and me. He will say, if we even have to suffer for the sake of our obedience, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. So let's look at Romans 13 here, these first seven verses. What specific obligations then are laid out for us? For each citizen has various obligations to civil government under which he finds himself. And we first find in verse 7, our obligation is to honor the civil magistrate. Honor them. That means all government officials, those who make the laws, the legislature, those who judge the laws, the court of the land, those who execute the laws, the police force. It includes the voted officials and the appointed officials. On the national level, on the state level, on the local level. It includes God-fearing men, like a vice president Prince, uh, uh, come on, vice president Pence, or those who are not godly. If you would listen to a President Trump, one would shake one's head, rather pompous man. Or when our present president opens his mouth and speaks about the right of abortion and what he wants to do, one shakes one's head. But God, we honor not only the position, we have to honor the person that God has put into it. That means hold them in high esteem. Well, that surely is different than late-night TV, isn't it? Where they are made the butt of jokes. Romans 13, verse 7, Render to all their dues, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. 1 Kings 2, verse 17, Honor all men, honor the king. So what does that mean? Very few of us will actually be speaking to those in government officials in higher offices. But we have our local officers. Whether we speak to them or when we speak about those government officials. What do we say? Do we honor those whom God has seen fit to put into those offices? Or are we like a proud Mordecai who refused to bow down and to honor Haman, whom the king had placed in position? 
honor. That admonition, beloved, is needed. I might not personally like some government officials. I might not like what they stand for. Generally, those in those offices are held in very low esteem. Yes, the butt of endless jokes. Sometimes it is caused by their own ineptness or their greed or their ungodly character. But God's word says, honor them. Honor them for two reasons. Number one, they are ordained by God. God has given to each of them their particular place and rule and authority. That's the first one. And second of all, honor them. Because as we read in God's word, those government officials are God's ministers or servants to the church for their good. God uses those rulers to preserve order in society so that the church may continue to be gathered yet in our land, so that we may do mission work. Even bad government is, no, is better than no government at all. Look what happened to the Soviet Union. When government was really destroyed, every one of those little republics fighting against each other divided. Honor. Those in authority. That's the first obligation. Number two, submit to their rule. We do it because God rules us through them. And by that kind of order, then we are ready to all kinds of good work. So put yourself underneath their laws. Obey those laws. Do your best to comply with those laws, whether it be the traffic lights or laws. And you see that there's no policeman around on that stretch of the road. Whether it be the safety regulations for a building, we make sure that our buildings are safe, that there's water sprinklers here. Whether it be the days of class for school, we are not autonomous, are we? We are citizens of a nation that makes rules, and we obey. With one exception, as I said before. Acts 5, verse 29. If they order us to do something that is sinful, then we must disobey, yet submitting to their rule. So, honor. Submit the third one. An unpleasant thing, isn't it? Every April 15, oh, I don't like that day, pay your taxes. In order to maintain that kind of government, the magistrates, they have the right to demand taxes. Do we have to really pay those taxes? when they use it sometimes for such evil things, when the government uses those very funds for planned parenthood and abortions, 
pay your taxes. Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. Implied then is obedience, isn't it? But emphasized probably in this passage, and it must be emphasized to us because it's probably one of the hardest duties that we have. Taking that hard-earned cash out of our billfold and giving it to a government that sometimes looks like it doesn't know how to spend it all. Pay tribute. Verse 6. Fourth. Specific obligation. Pray. Pray for them. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for the king, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Beloved, that applies to us as individual believers, as the head of the home in our homes. When is the last time you have, played, you have prayed for your government officials? I didn't ask, what's the last time you made fun of some of them? I'm asked, what's the last time you prayed for some of them? When's the last time that I, as a pastor, in my congregational prayer, have remembered to pray for those in authority over us. Pray for them because of that class too, the Bible says, there are God's elect that he will save. Pray for them that that magistrate may rule in harmony with God's word. Pray for them. That's for them, number five. Promote the welfare of civil government. We want our government to rule according to the law of God. And what God forbids, our human governments also should forbid. What God requires, they should require. But sadly, often it's not. Instead, they allow the murder by abortion. They allow profanity to be spoken. They allow the destruction of marriage by unbiblical divorce or other ungodly living arrangements. You and I are placed in a democracy. And that means that you and I as citizens of heaven living in earthly kingdoms we should be urging those government officials to be ruling in God's favor or under God's rule. Write letters. I'm speaking now of individual believers in the believer's spot as prophet, priest, and king. I'm not talking about the church. For the church has one calling, doesn't it? The church has a calling to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. She is not to be involved in politics. That is the wrong thinking of those who are thinking that we're bringing the kingdom of God here on earth and we have to redeem our kingdom, the nation. 
The church is one calling. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as individual believers living here in this country, are you encouraging your leaders? Are you voting for those leaders that will most closely align with God's word and God's will in this world? You said, vote? Preacher, where in the world in the Bible are you finding a text that I should vote as a Christian? That would be a rather simplistic demand, though. Show me a text in Scripture, wouldn't it? Because what text in Scripture should I point to to say, you should go to church twice? I don't know of a text. What text is there in Scripture that says, we preach the Lord's Day, the Catechism, once every Sunday? There's not that text. Where in the Bible will you find a text that will say, send your kids to Christian school? All those things are based on principles, aren't they? And I believe the obligation of citizens, heavenly citizens and earthly kingdoms, living in a democratic society where you do have a say and a vote, use that place. Don't think that it's beneath you. I don't care to vote. Who cares? It's going to be another bad person anyhow. Those things are in the Lord's hands. Yes, but the Lord uses means. Don't leave it up to unbelievers. We're given a golden opportunity to have a voice to vote, to write letters, that our government officials may rule wisely. Let me use just an example. Why in the world is it that after about almost 50 years, Roe versus Wade was reversed? Did you vote back there when there was a man who said, I'm going to do my utmost to get judges that will vote against abortion over against the person that was running against him. She was very pro-abortion. Did you vote? For through those three judges that that particular president did get through, babies might be spared the acts, the murderous attempts by doctors and nurses. God uses means. And I, I'm thankful to God. In my prayers, I've prayed to God thanking him that maybe at least a little bit, I know it's still states that have their rights that some of this murder that is on the hands of America will be staunched. Government. Good. Ordained by God. 
thankful to God for the government that we have in our nation so that as a church, we may come and freely worship on Sunday. We don't have anyone sitting here in the audience, at least of the government, trying to censor what is being said. A government with freedom so that as churches we're able to witness We're able to send missionaries out in other countries. We're able as believers to witness to our neighbors and not be thrown into jail. The praise goes not to government leaders. The praise goes to God. God who allowed order in our society so that the church may live and move and continue to its work preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Obligations. God has given us leaders. God's in authority. Christ rules all things. Yes, the kingdoms of men rise and they fall. There's one kingdom. There's one kingdom that's going to fill the whole earth. Remember that dream? Christ's kingdom. May it come in all of its power and glory. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful. We are thankful that thou dost not leave the whole matter of civil government up to everyone's own ideas of what's right and what's wrong. We're thankful for the opportunity at this time of the year as Christians to hear what our thoughts ought to be, what our attitude ought to be, what our obligations are to those who govern us. We thank thee, Father, for godly men and women that are in government. And we pray that thou will continue to draw thy elect people out of that class also. And we pray for our government officials in a time when it's so easy to cater to the whims of the people in order to get elected. We pray for magistrates, for courts, for those who make the laws, those who enforce the laws, that there may be those that rule in a way that pleases thee, that has thy word in front of them. Make us then good citizens here on earth that they may not talk against the church but rather in their conscience they know they should praise heavenly citizens who are citizens also here on earth and obey their leaders. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.